0: shut the Steve. fuck up <laughs> 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 I am leaving all of that in the first episode people are going to think what the fuck these people forgot to speak I Volume turned out? Value? Volume. Volume turned out? Welcome to the Money Shop Podcast. I've forgotten what our intro is now. We are going to take a look at what's been going on in the business news. We're going to review the strategy behind it and see how you can apply it to your business.
1: My business? Everybody's, Everybody's business. Everybody's business. All of the businesses. <laughs> what happened in the news this week, Damien?
0: Well, in the news this week, Roger, our company... Has been in a spot of bother. <laughs> now they're major shareholder, <laughs> mega. So Deliveroo, all of their riders, apparently only in London, as we've just found out, because are on after strike. Yeah. Yes, so they've all gone on strike, demanding better workers' rights and better pay and all that good stuff. So that's what's been going on the news. And so we thought, well, okay, not so much the strategy behind the people going on strike, because that's fairly obvious. They want more stuff, better stuff. But what's delivery strategy behind the employment side of things? Because that's what we're going to explore today.
1: Yeah, the sort of broader idea of employing people in your business.
0: Yep, the how, the when, the why, all that good stuff.
1: So when should someone employ someone else? You know, you started a business yourself. When should you start employing people? What's your theory?
0: As soon as they become useful for you. Right.
1: I I would want to define that.
0: You should employ someone when they're going to help you scale and it's going to allow you to grow as a business. Hmm. So you bring in human assets in order to effectively sweat the assets so that you can get more return on them. That's kind of the point of a person. It's the same as why would you bring in a system or a computer thing or a robot or whatever? It's because it will cost you less than it will help you make. So it's a fairly straightforward transaction but we were talking about there's two different types of employees, people that do specific things. And then the other type was...
1: So well, there's sort of like the like the manufacturing staff side of it, which is like, I need a person to do X, and one person does X number of things an hour, or whatever sort of... KPI's you give them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other side is sort of like, I need someone to help me, like... Do my do things around the office, or come up with an idea, or come up with a product, or do you know the more nebulous thing of sort of research or yeah. innovation or or, or whatever you want to call it.
0: And they're, I think,
1: they're the ones we found harder to
0: quantify when yeah. you bring them on board.
1: Which I guess is what you're sort of you know if you're the sort of in charge of the business, you're probably the person at the beginning stages of going to be doing all the sort of nebulous
0: you know, thinkery. <laughs> I think for most people, when they start the business, they're doing everything. Yeah. You are employee number one and your job is to do all of the things. And it's at what point do you bring other people in? And I suppose that's where you've got, you know, if you're a scalable business, you bring people in pretty quickly and you figure out how to systemize your company so other people can do your job for you. I think your job as the CEO, the founder, whatever you want to call it, everything you do, you should try and make yourself redundant from. And that's kind of the attitude of most of your employees you want as well. So if you bring someone in to be like, okay, I want you to, I don't know, put these heads on these dolls as they go past you. It's like, okay, cool. I can do that. And I'll just keep on doing that. At some point you want that person to be like, well, if we change this and actually get that machine to do that bit and blah, 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 I don't have to do this anymore. So you're like, cool, you're fine. We don't need you. But you're probably not going to do that to the person that's just made you a lot more efficient. You're probably like, cool, you're promoted. Now do the same thing, make me more efficient in all of these other areas or in just this different area because you've already proven you can do it once. And I think there's certainly with some of like the online virtual assistants, there's a bit of resistance to trying to make themselves redundant because they just see it as I'm paid per hour. So if you ask me to do a task, I will do that task and it'll take me this long. And then I'll do the task again because you asked me to do it again. There is no, they don't see any incentive of, well, actually, if I just instead of spending an hour doing this, if I spend two hours doing X, Y, and Z, I can make sure this task never is a thing ever again. Yeah. And you're like, okay. And I can see from their point of view, you're like, well, that's stupid because I've just cost myself an hour's worth of work every however often. But I think most businesses are like, that's cool. You've just saved me your salary for every once a week for an hour or whatever. I've now got more money to invest in something else and I want to be more efficient, more productive. So I'm going to give you money to do the same thing somewhere else.
1: Uh, I think that's exactly... I mean, I guess that's kind of almost the economist's point of view. It's like people are rational and they'll behave rationally, which is like, oh, this person is now more valuable. I will pay them more money. All these kind of things. But yeah. depressingly, people are awful. And they well, might just go, oh, great. i got a <laughs> free off. hour." Yeah,
0: you're fine. Yeah. Um, well, that brings us on to the capitalism part of it, hmm. of what are these delivery people whinging about? And why is it, you know... If they don't like the job, why are they doing the job?
1: I think mean, that's the thing we both stumbled on, which
0: is... Hey, don't pick me with your capitalist. No, no, but, like,
1: <laughs> there is a fairly yeah. solid argument. She's like, well, if you don't like the thing, don't do it. But there's probably the labour market's not brilliant at the moment and all these things, but...
0: I think it's easy to say, is like, from an economic point of view, if that's a bad job and nobody wants to do it, therefore nobody does do it, the only way Deliveroo can make people do it is by offering them more and more money until enough people are like, yeah, okay, I'll do it now. A bit like we talked about the other day about how much can you charge for beer in a pub when things open again. You want to price it at exactly the right level so that you are full and you can't handle any more customers, but low enough so that you are full and you're not putting people off. That's kind of how the labor market should work. You pay exactly what you need to pay to get your staff rota filled. No more, no less. Yeah. And from an employee perspective, if you're getting paid less than you think you're worth, you should probably just not do that job anymore. And I guess that's, I suppose, what strikes are. It's then giving them a heads up of like, hey, if you don't change things, we're probably not going to work for you anymore.
1: I, I guess, yeah. I, I guess the stumbling block there for me is that, like, if you've decided that you, you're worth more, why go on strike?
0: Why not just go get a better Why job? Why not just
1: go get a job? And like, that's probably because there isn't something better. Yep. That's. Pro- I, I don't know. Is that the conclusion you have to take? And then, then, then yeah, then it is they're striking for a very valid reason, which is, like, well, we deserve more, but we kind of only have a fairly nuclear option, which is for us all to leave and be worse off.
0: Yep. And I suppose that brings us on to the next point of the contract gig economy type thing versus old-fashioned... You just have a job for someone, you work there for 30, 40 years. It's but there's a, diff- there's a there's a middle ground, which yeah. is... Full-time employment. Full-time employment. With benefits.
1: But in a place that you want to work, but kind of appreciate probably isn't there forever.
0: Or even full-time employment in a place you don't want to work, but at least you get full-time security of a job and all the benefits that go with it. Minimum wage, all that good stuff. It doesn't even have to be that much of a step towards, oh, I've got a lifetime job now. But does... Geek work actually work in a lot of gig workers' favour. Because I remember they always do these surveys like, oh, gig work's awful, it's terrible, we should stop it. And then most of the people that kick off are like, behave, I like this. It suits me that I can you know, go to a normal nine to five, but I want extra money, so I'm going to work this job, six to 11, but it's completely up to me as to when I do it and whether I do it or not. I haven't got time commitment that I'm already signed up for. So it works in a lot of people's favours.
1: So do you think... The way around this is that over a certain number of hours, you should be offered a contract. I think that would work. So, like, you you, know, you can deliver all the all you like up
0: to 10 hours a week. So almost like if this is your side gig... Then then, yeah, then we are going to treat you like... As if you a side don't gig. give a shit you and you don't work for our company. But as soon as you do more than whatever it is, 20 hours, so it's more than a part-time job now, it's like, yeah, okay, we need to employ you as...
1: Maybe that's, that's the exact thing, which is, you know, it can't be super flexible both ways. Yeah, You know you can't be like, well, I work four, you know, 50 hours one week and two hours the next, because that's really hard to schedule as an employer. As an employer, yeah.
0: And but also you- from a service offering, if you're like, okay, we can provide this service of delivering food to everyone in London, we know we need at least this many drivers. If we know we've got them one week, we don't know we've got them the next week, we have to scale down our offering, which is then going to turn customers away they're already not profitable, as we know. So they can't afford to be turning customers away. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's probably... You would have to do it over a rolling period, but say if you work more than whatever part-time is, about 20 hours a week, isn't there? Something
1: like that. I don't know. I, I don't know what part-time you know, qualifies as.
0: Let's say it's... I, I want to say it's 16 hours. Well, I, I work some... for a
1: company where I had to sign away my... like rights to not working a normal, normal 37-hour week. Like oh, okay. Sign here to say that you work literally every hour of the day.
0: <laughs> so, you work from a marriage. <laughs> but yeah, so if you... I think it's... I want to say 16 hours now. I've got that in my head for some reason. But whatever, let's just use that. If you work an average of 16 hours per week over like a know, four-week period, you now qualify as a part-time employee of X company, and you will therefore get this level of pay and this these benefits. And I suppose...
1: On the proviso that you can carry on doing
0: it. Yeah, that. and as yeah. soon as you're four-week, or maybe it's a two-week period, to Once you know, you've know you got to, have to do four weeks to qualify, then two weeks once you drop out of it to unqualify. But once you get there, it's like, well, I've got these benefits packaged now. I have the... If I want to now do full-time, 37 and a half hours or whatever it is a week, I know I will be getting this wage and these benefits, et cetera. Equally mm-hmm. though, if you want to do it as a side thing, like, yeah, I just do it on a Friday Saturday to get in an extra couple of quid. Cool, do that. You've got ultimate flexibility, but so have they, and they will pay you whatever it is a pound per delivery, and we won't pay you while you're sat outside waiting, so that's your problem. Yeah. That would seem to work.
1: Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure Deliveroo HQ must be doing these calculations fairly rapidly because their state process is having
0: a bit of a spanking. Well, yeah, so what do we think the impact of them going this route would be. So if they now turn around and say, yep, whatever you people have just striked about, here you go, here's a blank piece of paper, write hand out what you want, and we'll give it to you. What impact do you think that would have on their share price?
1: I mean, for an already unprofitable business to then say, good news, we're spending more money on on wages.
0: Hmm. That's not good. Probably not.
1: But is the good press bit worth... That boost, which is like, well, I used to not use Deliveroo, but now I use Deliveroo because you know they look after their employees, so the consumer feels happier about.
0: I'm not sure how much of an impact it would make on consumers. I think from an investor's perspective, if all of the companies that said we're not investing in Deliveroo because of their ESG record because they treat their workers unfairly, apparently. If they are then able to invest in it, hmm. it just opens up the investment market to them. So probably you'd have more buyers for their stock, which would naturally increase the price of it. So that might be a thing. Yeah. Maybe, so uh, yeah. delivery, worry up, pay attention, stop listening to our podcasts. Or do you think the <laughs> price would go
1: up they're like, no, they're really sticking it to the workers. They're like, <laughs> <laughs> Screw those
0: guys. <laughs> but
1: they are, they are, you know, their margins are, you know, they're... they're, they're yeah, revenue to profit it's quite good. It'll pay not pay everyone fuck all.
0: <laughs> I think if they were making a profit, that would be the case. So I think if it was like, look, we're making a profit now. If we do this, we're gonna start making a loss or we'll break even. I think they'd probably be rewarded for being fairly tough and hard line with their staff. I think as is like you're losing money, you probably will lose a little bit more money. It makes yeah. no pissing difference at this point. Be nicer and lose a bit more money. Yeah, be nicer and get more people to invest in you. That's probably a thing. I think I feel like it was the staff issue that completely scuppered their IPO. It was the only thing people were talking about. A load of investors and fund managers came out like, we are definitely not investing in Deliveroo because of the ESG and the way they treat their staff. Mm. That was the only news piece. It was kind of secondary, like, oh, and also, even though they've just had a year of lockdown, still not profitable, that's probably not a good sign. And then you've got or that, whoever... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, or, and whoever it came out was like, yeah, only delivery only works in London. Right. It doesn't work okay. anywhere else. Which, you know, you could... I think it probably works better in cities, but yeah, yeah I wouldn't have, like, like delivery in the... Or of r- nowhere.
1: Yeah, rural delivery where it's one poor bloke in the local fish <laughs> shop.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, when each delivery takes you 40 minutes or whatever to do, and you get a quid a go or something, you're like, oh, probably yeah. not going to work here.
1: Okay. So... I that's a very good deal.
0: Well, we haven't done how we could apply it for an SME yet.
1: Okay. How do we? Um,
0: so we're trying um, to think about employment and a scalability from an SME's perspective. So when should you take people on? In what sort of contracting nature should you take them on? And what sort of tasks should you be getting them to do when you take people on?
1: So I think there's a, a useful delineation between like a scaling hire mm-hmm. and like a I don't know, growth higher or something. Uh, there are two different things. One is like, if I want to be 10 times as big, I need seven more people because I can't make as many widgets Yeah. without. And so there's like a sort of scaling higher, which is like, I need more people to make a thing, mm-hmm. whatever.
0: Well, use Amazon as we did before. It was like, if you, and by before, I mean before we started recording. So that's unhelpful. Yeah. But at some point you need to employ seven people to literally just stick books into a box and send it to the post office. But if you office. want to get twice
1: as big, you need another seven people. So yeah. there's, the, there's a reasonable algebra mm-hmm. behind that. But then there's the other people who's like, well, you, know, you need someone who's come up with what's going
0: to get put in the... You know, what are the product lines we'll stock next yeah. and how we're going to get... And they're, they're a
1: trickier hire. I think that's the that's the heart, the thing we've we, we touched on. Is, you, know, you could contract a bunch of scale hires, mm-hmm. which is like, I need 10 people this month. I don't need 10 people next month kind of thing. Whereas the other one, which is like, I need someone to come up with ideas. A so you're going to have to thinker. sort of make them full time.
0: And I guess as an SME, you've, when you start, you are doing literally everything yourself. You probably need to work out what are the least valuable tasks that you're spending the most amount of time on. Yeah. And so if you are, you know, doing, well, yeah, I think of great things we should do. And then I promote it on the interwebs and then I do sales calls with people and all this cool stuff. I'm like, yeah, that brings a load of money. And then I sit down and just stick Stop stamps numbers, on a yeah. box or something. It's like, that's probably the first bit you should get rid of. And then after that, you review what you're doing. You're like, okay, which is the next bit I shouldn't be doing that I could. And potentially you're not going to be, nobody is good at everything. There will be an aspect of your business that you're a bit shit at or certainly there are other people that are better at. That's probably another area to then focus on. And I think always trying to look for what's the return on the investment of the employee. And I think there's probably two metrics for that. There's like the literal cash return investment of, at this point, I am earning so much, it equates to 25 pounds an hour. So if I can employ someone and it costs me 15 pounds an hour to do that job, I should do that because I'm now more valuable than this task is. So there's kind of that relatively straightforward way of working it out. Because of course you've got all the time to sit down and work this metric out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at some point. hire um, someone to work out the metrics about whether or not you should. <laughs> I mean, if it's a decent ROI, yes, you should. <laughs> you just need to work that bit out yeah, yeah. first. <laughs> um, which is what our podcast is about. Yeah, step now, one, spreadsheet everything. I mean, now you're talking. Um, but no, the next stage after that is, and I guess it comes down to, do you want to scale massively or are you looking for a nice business to run yourself. Look for the tasks that either you're shit at or you just don't like doing and outsource them.
1: And be okay with that. That's one of the things, the hard things about growing is you have to give up some stuff that you're used to doing. Whether or not you like it or not is almost immaterial. You're kind of you're having to give up routine and ritual, yeah. which is not easy.
0: And you also need to accept that nobody is going to be in your head as good as you or do it the same way as you. Yeah. And so I think you need to be okay with this is going to be 80% as good as when I did it. Yeah. And as long as you can get your head around that, that was certainly a problem. I've dealt with a couple of businesses where the founders couldn't let go of anything. And so they'd bring people on. They would be a bit rubbish because everyone is when you first start something, you don't know what you're doing. They'd never give them chance to grow and learn and develop because they didn't do it exactly the same way that they did. They didn't do it as well as they did to start off with. And so instantly they were like, nah, this is shit. It's not going to work. We can't scale. So get rid of them yeah. and we'll just do it ourselves. And kind of were running themselves ragged trying to do that all themselves. So, probably don't do that.
1: But that goes back to your idea like, do you want to scale or do you want to sort of Enjoy life. Do, do something, you know, do like a, uh, almost like a passion project, which is like, yeah. I love every little bit of this thing, or I do, I'm not willing to give up any of it. So, it'll never get big, but I'll be able to retain control of every aspect of it. Or do you want to. To grow a bit, and then then you have to kind of get okay with giving up stuff, which is tricky because the whole reason it started was you enjoyed the idea a bit of it. <laughs> yeah. True. Thanks for listening to the Money Shop podcast. Join us again next time for more business strategies you can apply to my your business.
0: business. Oh, your business.
1: Business.